What's up, everybody? It's Intuition, and uh, this is kind of neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Uh, appreciate you guys' uh, listenership, and uh, I'm going to get the social media stuff out of the way first. Fast forward if you don't want to hear it. I don't give a fuck. My name is Lee. Like I just said, Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man Ben Shim behind the boards at I Am Database and us as a team at That's Kind of Neat on Twitter. You can find everything that we do on kindaneat.net. It just rolls off the tongue. Check out our YouTube channel. It's going so great. Very happy about that. I actually ran into uh, Kitty Pride the other day. I ran into Kitty, and uh, she was like, oh, man, the video came out so cool, and, like, it's got so many views. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like, that shit got a lot of views. It's really good. So YouTube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. Very stoked on how that stuff's coming out. Today on the show, we have a buddy of mine named Blockhead. You guys might know him from his instrumental uh hip-hop work or his work with Aesop Rock or uh, his new record with Billy Woods. Just a good guy, very friendly. It's a funny conversation. But first, I got a question the other day on Facebook from somebody. And I've always kind of wanted to do like an advice column on the podcast. And so I think this is maybe my first chance. And this guy sent me this message more for me to just like message him back with advice and maybe a pep talk. But I'm not going to name his name, but I think it would just be more entertaining for you guys to hear it all. So I'm going to read you the message. It's from... uh, a guy on my uh, Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash it's intuition, if you guys want to follow me. And he says, I'm not even sure why I'm sending you this message. I can tell you why. It's because you're sad. But I guess I wanted your opinion as someone who has the public's eye. I don't really think I have that much of the public's eye, but I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Does being bald ever bother you? I started losing my hair when I was 17 and I'm 30 now. I have no hair. And the thought of going the rest of my life without it has started to bother me. This is a topic near and dear to my heart and also near and dear to the top of my head. I shave my head and I don't shave my head by choice. I shave my head uh, because I'm going bald. Lo and behold, I've never openly come out of the closet as a bald man, but I'm letting you know today. I'm letting the world know that I stand strong as a bald man. And, you know, I've learned over the years to deal with it. And it's something that I've become accustomed to. And uh, sure, is it a little embarrassing? Is it a little emasculating? Yeah, it is. You know what? I fucking, I'm a man and I'm an alpha male and I'm out here, you know, I'm really out here trying to like talk to these ladies. I'm really out here doing things. I'm, I'm out here trying to be a fucking boss and I'm going bald and that affects me most definitely because I feel like it's an alpha trait to have a full head of lovely hair. And I've been stolen. That has been stolen from me by my weak genetics. So yeah, you know, am I conflicted about it? Sure. It sucks. I shave my head about once every three or four days with a razor. You know, people are always still surprised when I tell them that I'm going bald. They're like, oh, you just shave your head because you look good with a shaved head, right? And I'm like, no, I shave my head because if I grew my hair out, it would look like I was just desperately trying to hang on to my youth. And I would also look a little bit like a child molester because the sides and the back still grow really thick. But from about the the, the back of the crown of my head to the top where I would be able to like, uh, you know, grow, grow, you know, bangs or whatever. I don't know. That's thin. It's not completely bald. Like it's not a bowling ball. But it's thin. It's like Homer Simpson-ish. You know what I mean? Like I would have three little comb-over hairs. And so growing it out, it it would look desperate. It would look very desperate. And I think it would also make me look about probably 10 to 12 years older than I actually am. You know, I keep a mustache on my face a lot of times nowadays. And if I grew the mustache and the hair out at the same time, I would look like the walking sketch of every fucking rapist that comes into the police department. It would be terrible. Uh, So it's a bad look. So what I decided to do from a young age, 
I was honest with myself and I Michael Jordan did and I started shaving my head. I first started noticing that I was going bald probably when I was like 23. I started to notice the uh, the widow's peak starting to form a little bit. And my father has a widow's peak. My dad, even being sick now, he still tries to like hold on to his hair. Like my dad's functionally bald, but he still tries to grow out the top of his hair and slick it back like kind of the pseudo comb back over thing. And I always tease him like, hey, man, you should just shave your head. He's like, boy, I got more hair than you do. And I'm like, no, we have the same amount of hair. It's just that I choose to like make mine disappear so that I look cooler. You know what I'm saying? And so my point is uh, actually Blockhead and I go on to talk about this in the podcast. It's like sometimes it's not about the talent that you have. It's about the talent of knowing what sucks and trying to grow your hair out when it looks desperate just kind of sucks and it looks funny. So there are options. One option is to wear a hat. I myself am not somebody that likes to wear hats all the time. I do have friends that are going bald that wear hats all the time, even while they sleep. I know a dude that literally fucks girls with his hat on because he doesn't want them to know. That, not the route that I chose. When I was 23 and I started uh, going bald, I started noticing it and I said, you know what, I'm going to nip this in the bud. And I got myself a little electric hair trimmer and I would put a guard on it, you know, and I would start at about a half an inch. And so I would shave my head to a half an inch and people started saying, Hey man, you look pretty good with a shaved head. And I'm like, thanks. You know, not, they didn't know that I was doing it because I could see my widow's peak coming in. And it, and when I grew my hair out, it, it looked a little funky to me. So eventually I started noticing the widow's peak get a little more. So my answer was go a little shorter. So I went to a quarter inch. And then eventually I started using no guard at all. That was probably around the time that I was like, I don't know, maybe uh, 26. By the time I was 26, I was using no guard at all. And then it got to like the summer of 2009. I was shaving with no guard and I would notice by the second day, you could already tell like on the crown of the back of my head that I was like really fucking going bald back there. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And I started shaving my head with a razor and I haven't looked back. As far as the original question about like having to deal with the rest of your life with not having hair. Hey, man. It's not a big deal. You know, you just got to fucking be yourself. You got to take it for what it's worth, you know, shave your head. And, and if you're embarrassed with how your hair looks when you grow it out, shave it. And if, and if you don't care, then don't shave it. But being insecure about it, there's no fucking point, man. Life's too short. The fact of the matter is, I don't know, like I don't have a problem with having a shaved head. Like nobody looks at me differently because I'm going bald. Like when I tell people that I'm going bald, they, they act polite and nice as if like, oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> really? Come on now. I guess my best advice to you is like, man, if it concerns you that much to where you think it's going to be a hindrance to your enjoyment in life, look into getting hair plugs, whatever. To me, that shit seems like an extraneous amount of pain and uh, a lot of wasted money for something that just doesn't really fucking matter that much. You know, some girls have to get tit jobs because they're not happy. Some girls have to get butt implants and some dudes have to get hair plugs. But... I don't know. Maybe one day they'll come up with a pill that you can swallow that just make the hair on your head pop out again. But at the moment, I think shaving is the best fucking idea. And uh, being in the public's eye and being bald, like whatever, it doesn't fucking matter. I guess what I'm trying to say is just deal with it. You know, just deal with it. You'll be fine being bald. I'm fine being bald. It's just a part of life. Anyways. That was my advice. And uh, if you guys have any more questions for me, like uh, about your love life, about uh, spaying and neutering your pets, perhaps strategies of playing dominoes while in prison, any of these things, I would be glad to answer them. So just message me any way that you can. If, if you follow me on Facebook, you can message me there. If you have my email, you can send me an email. I'll answer questions. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, we're going to get into the episode with Blockhead. I think it's an entertaining one. Uh, it gets into a little bit about the history of, uh, you know, the early history of Def Jokes. It was a very influential scene. He talks a lot about his early life. And, uh, you know, we just talk about being like normal bros and it's pretty fun. 
And so without further ado, let's just get right into the conversation with Blockhead. Thank you. What's up, man? Oh, chilling, man. You know, you're just chilling. I'm just chilling. Are you uh, enjoying the California weather? I am actually because it's like hot as fuck in New York. I was right gonna now. say it's got to be milder here than oh, it my, is there, dude. It's like 95 degrees and humid there. I just looked at the weather forecast because I'm going back tomorrow, and I was like, oh god, that's the worst. I can't take yeah. humidity. It's been humid here, which is very out of the norm. But it's like rainy and humid, or like w- when it gets cloudy, it gets humid here, and when it's sunny, it's not humid at all. My hot Italian blood can't take the humidity. You know, I sweat through shirts. I'm a sweater. I'm a yeah. sweater too. Yeah, I just try to stay indoors. Pretty you much, you look like a sweater. Yeah, I'm, oh man. You don't want to, like, D me up playing basketball after, like, two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I would never want to play you shirts versus skins no. when, when you're skins. I would get called the eel. The- <laughs> I'm known as the eel by some guys I play with. That's funny. Yeah. Did you grow up playing basketball always? Or uh, yeah, well, I played Little League first. I played baseball, like, for, like, eight years. I know you're a baseball player. Are you good at baseball? I was pretty good at baseball for a while, but then, uh, I don't know, I just, like, never stuck with it i was a really big kid like i was like the size i am now when i was 14 so no I, I was like the big like i was like six foot like 180 pounds when i was like 14 maybe 15s when i like officially like topped out but Damn, I, so were you like a prospect for basketball then were people no, like no, oh no, he's no. gonna fucking be huge well, well no well the thing is that my doctor was like oh you're gonna be six four i was like nice yeah and then i just stopped growing <laughs> bummer and so uh yeah so the bat i went from being like a power forward in basketball to like kind of slowly moving down getting pushed down to like the smaller yeah and i'm not a guard i'm not like good enough to be a guard so you still go out and play out a lot of pickup games and stuff? oh yeah yeah i play like two three times a week Two or three times a yeah. week. Yeah. That's how I stay so fit, man. That's tight. <laughs> have you uh, have you ever had to like have a job, or did music oh, just always can become a oh, thing? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I had because you don't have a job now, right? No, no. I haven't. I haven't had a job since uh, two thousand three. That's tight. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's pretty yeah. nice. <laughs> it definitely dictates a weird lifestyle, but it, it, it's, I was gonna it's say, nice. Yeah. How do you keep yourself sane, not ever having like a certain places that you need to be? I kind of have a regiment for myself, mm-hmm. and I also am very comfortable at doing nothing. Yeah, like I'm, I'm extremely comfortable. Like, like I can be like, it, this is going to be really bad because you, know, you know how like on Twitter sometimes, like uh, I'll make a joke or something, and uh, someone will be like, get back to making beats. Oh yeah, and I'm like, like I can't do this and make beats at the same time. Oh, dude, so this is going to piss those that. people off. When I say like I'll sit around all day and I just don't feel like making a beat or something, or don't feel like doing anything, I'll just, you know I'll play like a video game, I'll watch some TV. And I'll, like, go mail some letters, and the mailing of the letters will be like, I did something today, man. You, yeah. you, you mail letters? Yeah. I, bills. You know, oh, I bills. bills. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. You know, I, no, I send letters. Uh, <laughs> I send letters <laughs> I'm like, wow, you're fucking old school, man. You're, like, very polite, sending people cards Postca- I send postcards to all my friends who live in other states. <laughs> <laughs> Wish you were here in New York playing video games with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, no, I, I like, my days are very, you know, I get up, I bathe, and I eat, and then I... And then it, it's very orderly. Like like when my when my girl's home from work or something, it like it kind of fucks with my schedule. Yeah, because she <laughs> like has I, a normal job. Oh yeah, she's got a real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's got a real job. Yeah. And, uh, so like it like my my weekly schedules it can be disrupted if she happens to be home on like a Wednesday. Right. It'll throw a curveball. That's funny because yeah. ever since I've like stopped having a real job and been freelancing, it's like my when you say you wake up and bathe, my shit has come, become opposite. I'm like. I'll be like, oh, I should probably bathe because I haven't done that all day before before I go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be clear, I don't bathe every day. <laughs> yeah, that's very that's very open. I feel like we just got very open in this well, podcast. Here's the thing: I've actually argued with people about this. Go ahead. Uh, is that 
like if I'm sitting around all day in an air conditioned room, literally not moving more than five feet at a time, like, do I really need to bathe that day? Yeah, true. <laughs> it's not like I'm like running or like, you know, but at the same time, your nickname is the eel. <laughs> the eel. Well, listen, if I sweat at all, yeah, I'm bathing. You're bathing. <laughs> but if I don't, you know, hey. Having a living girlfriend that has a normal job, does your lifestyle ever clash where she's like, hey, motherfucker, get off the couch and do something? Well, I think every day she comes home and says that to me. <laughs> yeah. No, well, uh, not really. It's more just like looks of like, really? Like yeah. You're complaining about something right now? Because right. I, I just worked like a 14-hour day. And, right. And you're, you know, you've been like in boxers for <laughs> 12 hours today. Yeah. I'm painting a worse picture of it than it is. Like, I really am not that lazy. <laughs> I feel you. Taking it back to what you said about people on Twitter, fucking, oh, man, I hate when fucking fans or people that follow you want to go like, hey, make some music right now. Oh, like, that's not worst. how it works, motherfucker. It's the worst. It's not how it works. And, like, the funny thing is, too, is, like, man, making a good tweet is creative. And if you're making a good tweet, you might be getting the juices flowing. Maybe tweeting helps me write, you, asshole. You Maybe could, it You does. could spin it that way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you could spin it. Well, it's easier for you to spin it than me to spin oh, yeah, it. Exactly. I, don't, I don't really use words that right, much. Right, right. That is actually something that I've noticed about myself is, like, if I'm on a good tweeting role, like, I'm usually writing raps because it's, like, my brain huh, is already thinking that way. You know what I'm saying? And it's really the times when I don't tweet for, like, a whole week that those are the times where like i'm really fucked and i have no like creative energy whatsoever yeah i'm familiar with the feeling of grasping for tweets yeah. you're just like i gotta say something something yeah. at some point today what happened in the news yeah like oh like what can i make fun of right yeah i had real trouble like doing a trayvon tweet today and Man, i was like that was a tough thing to it, tweet about yeah, it was i actually i think i kind of came up with a really dope one though. what was it I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, today's a really bad day to be flow rider checking, Googling, and you know, oh, yeah, that like was that. funny. Something like that. So, and, you know, I, was, I stay out of the politics. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good, that's a good funny <laughs> no. tweet. I was like kind of flabbergasted last night by that whole thing. I didn't really know. I didn't find out until this morning. I didn't know how to handle it on Twitter. I was, but, uh, yeah, that's a sad thing. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's a very sad thing. And, and, you know, no matter what way you spin it, like a fucking kid died for no reason. Yeah. That's all there is to yeah. it. But, anyways, enough of fucking Trayvon Martin because we, I don't concentrate on politics on here either. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that surprised me when I finally met you in real life was that, like, you don't have a New York accent. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, like, you're born and bred in New York. Yeah. And you told me, oh, if you're raised in Manhattan, you don't have an accent. And, well, yeah, in certain parts. I mean, listen, if you're from Little Italy and, like, your parents are from, like, Brooklyn, you might have an accent. But outside of, like, lingo, yeah, I don't know anyone that's like, hey, you fucking guy. Like, yeah. no, no one talks like that. <laughs> no one does. I right. mean, in Long Island they do, Jersey they do, parts of Brooklyn they do, Queens. But Manhattan is its kind of own thing, you know, especially yeah. downtown. Downtown yeah. is, you know. What's it like growing up as like a kid in the biggest one of the biggest cities in the world? Uh, it didn't really register that it was anything different to me until I left it. Right. You know, like I, I went to uh, to Boston for one year in college, and I chose Boston because I was like, oh, it's a city on the East Coast, and like can't all, be that. All different. cities are the same. I'd only been to to New York, San Francisco, and London prior to that, mm -hmm. so I was kind of like, oh, well, cities are basically kind of similar and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Boston. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and and uh, and it was then that I realized, I was like, oh, wait, New York is kind of special. Yeah. And then I traveled How more was and more. Ba what was it that you noticed about Boston that was different? Uh, it, it was small. It was uh, everything closed early. Like you couldn't eat after 10. Like there was no public transportation after a certain hour. It was more just like things I was used to that I, I took for granted that uh, that you just couldn't get there. And I was also, you know, eight, 18. And I was in New York, I could drink 
at you know from 14 <laughs> like i could go to yeah. any bar like this was also the early 90s so it's kind of a different a different scene but right. uh, it's like yeah you could drink but you also had to watch out for aids yeah exactly <laughs> or or watch out for getting robbed getting stabbed yeah <laughs> 90s in the early 90s in new york was a kind of fucked up place i mean not not as bad as the 80s but you know still. yeah uh pre-giuliani new york, new york was definitely you know much different and uh so yeah going to boston it was just kind of like it was like a town it reminded me of like cape cod Huh. You know, like yeah. I'd been to Cape Cod and I was like, this is like the like the bu- most bustling part of Cape Cod yeah, <laughs> or a college town. And that's what it is, really. But uh, it, it just uh, I, I had high expectations for all cities. And then I was like, oh, New York is very specific. Right. One of the other interesting things that I know about you is that you've never driven a car. Yes, I've never driven. A that car. is so crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, pretty proud of it. Yeah. That's that's pretty <laughs> amazing. Like moving to L.A. just must be like an absolute non-factor oh, in your head. Like no. you could never live no, here. I could never live here. Yeah. And I, I, being here two days, and I like L.A. Like, you know, I'm not one of these New Yorkers like, oh, fuck L.A. It's the yeah. Like, I actually genuinely think it's a kind of cool place, and uh, but the driving is fucking ridiculous. It's and I, crazy. And I, I couldn't do it. I, like, I was in a car so much yesterday, just like getting from one side of town to the other. I was like, this is awful. You spend so much time in a car here. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> there's that new um, Showtime show, Ray Donovan or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to catch up on it. It's, it's all right. I, it's not, not bad. I, it's just starting. But like the one thing that struck me in the first episode where I was like, oh, this is ridiculous, is that he drives from like – Calabasas to fucking Hollywood to Malibu to like all these. I'm like, dude, there's no way that he could drive this many places in one day in LA. It's like you have one destination per day and that's it. Like, but I, I feel like Ray Donovan might know the side roads. You never know. <laughs> he yeah, might, he yeah. might have, he's, he's a guy. He's up on stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what did your folks do like growing up? Uh, my dad was an artist. He, he was in World War II. My dad was really old when I was born. He was 60 when I was born. Wow. Yeah. And my mom was like 40 or 39. I'll say 39 for her sake. Hey. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so he was in World War II. And you, was, you got brothers and sisters? I've got uh, one brother from both parents and then five siblings from my dad's first marriage who are all like ranging from 66 to uh, like late 50s. Wow. Yeah. So I have nieces that are like 34. Uh, a niece of mine is going to have a baby next week. Whoa. Yeah. And I have a nephew that has two kids right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah wow that's crazy yeah no so that's a shout out to all those guys like are you close like uh, what's that f- kind of dynamic like the cousin dynamic it's not really a uncle. you feel like a cousin the, yeah yeah oh, oh, oh like to your nephew to my oh, oh to, well to my the dynamic with my si- siblings yeah, with your siblings i would say they feel more like uncles and aunts because i didn't grow up with them in the house i mean yeah. my brother and i grew up in the house together but uh but the rest of them are just you know they like live all over the state the country and uh yeah and uh, they have kids, and I see them a couple times a year. Yeah. But my niece and nephews are like, I feel more like the eldest cousin. Okay. With all them, and I'm, and you know, I like hang out with them, get drunk with them, and stuff. It's that's it's, cool. It's a, it's a it's that's a nice interesting. Thing, what you know? kind of art was your dad into? He, what you uh, well, he started as a painter, and uh, I was going to say he he was in World War Two, and he and he was a like a painter in the war, which I don't know, really know how that works. Uh, and Backward then, cameras just weren't yeah, viable. Yeah, he just painted like yeah. explosions, <laughs> but uh, and. Uh, so then he got out of the war, and I think – I'm trying to figure out the timeline. But he, he you know, he went to, to uh, University of Pennsylvania and uh, as an artist, but they didn't have an art program. So he graduated as an uh, architect, which is – this must have been like the 30s. You oh, know, wow. Like in the, four, like the, I, I, the timeline's a little shaky because, you yeah. know, obviously I wasn't alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, he got out of the war. And, and it was like in art. the 1800s. I mean he was born in 1918. My wow. dad was born in 1918. That is a trip. Yeah. Yeah, so then he he was a painter, and then he kind of uh, he did all mediums. Like he did sculpture. Like as he got older, he kind of focused more on sculpture. He did like fountains. He did a lot of uh, like metal work and uh, and a lot of stuff with like taking huge uh, trees and uh, chiseling them to look like 
like different pieces when it was all just one piece. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's a yeah, it was it was always really cool and really weird art and he was very much like a go go in the studio and work all day kind of guy. And like, you know, some people say oh my dad was an artist, but like your dad was like a fairly important and like oh, yeah, yeah. He, like his art yeah, yeah. his art was important and like did, yeah. he he did good off of it. Oh, yeah, no, he made a career off yeah. of art. Like like he 100% was a self-sufficient artist yeah. for his entire life. So did you grow up being around like an art scene? Oh yeah. I used to get dragged to galleries all the time. Like I legit hate galleries and I hate museums because of my youth. Because that's what you go- had to do. They, there's something in there when I walk into them, like the like it clicks and I get bored and want to go to sleep immediately. Like if you put bring me to a museum, like I will sleep better than any place <laughs> in the world because it's, I don't know if it's in the air or something. It's like the opposite of a casino. I mean, were there other kids your age that would be drugged to them as well? That that maybe like sometimes. What, oh, I, I guess, guess what I'm saying is, that, I, yeah, I'm wondering like, are there some kids who like grow up in that environment and they're like, oh, this is for me. I want to be an artist just like my dad. You oh, know? for sure. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that my my older siblings felt that. Yeah. Because there, a lot of them are in the arts one way or another. You know, like a lot of them did art curators or whatever. Well, really. like you know, a couple of my sisters are are artists, not career artists, but they definitely make art. My one of my brothers is an architect. Yeah. Definitely kind of like came from the art background yeah they all do creative things for the most part so it's a i think that kind of breeds i think having growing up around art breeds like a kind of mindset that you can do art yourself right you know and it's well lo and behold you kind of you you make art i did i I did no it 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 was never like you know how like some people like your parents would be like you can't be an artist like you got to fall back on something like my parents were definitely like you need to they're like, hey, something. fool, you better do some art. They, well, no, they definitely were. Well, my dad. What just, is that, math homework? You better get some finger paints. <laughs> no, they they wanted me to go to college and, yeah. and uh, you know, and, and get a career and everything. Uh, but, you know, the idea of being a successful artist was never something that was like, oh, I can't do that. That's impossible. I was like, oh, my dad does it, so I can do it. And the fact of the matter is, like, I am only, like, as successful as, as I am, which isn't even really that successful, but enough to have a career doing this mm-hmm. because of timing and luck. And like, right. you know, the talent is like a, a distant third. And, and that's kind of how it is with art. Like the older I get, I'm like, wow, being an artist really has very little to do with like your actual worth as an artist. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's plenty of people making way more money than anyone I know who are fucking worthless. That are, yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's real shit. Uh, at, but that's kind of like any aspect in life though. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, 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 the, it's, yeah, it's not the fucking most talented person making the money. It's the, it's the best talker or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. the art scene in the eighties, like that was kind of a wild time when you're getting drugged to galleries. Is it like, were you seeing like fucking Warhol around? Or oh what? no, no. My dad's an older generation than that. Like, okay. like oh, Warhol, like, I don't know this for sure, but I would guess that my dad probably thought Warhol was a hack. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, like it would make sense. Cause like, he wasn't a my dad's like a you know he made he didn't make pop art yeah you know? and i remember it's funny at a young age i remember like kind of thinking keith herring was bullshit oh because in my head as a kid i was like i could do that yeah exactly and still now i'm like I did your dad your dad sculpted like like realistic <laughs> oh he, he did he did abstract he did realistic uh-huh. like uh um i mean you could he's, he's got a website sydneysimon.com okay and it's all it's got a lot of his art on there if anyone who wants to check that out, but <laughs> shout out to Sydney, shout out to Sydney Simon. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he did all types of shit. I mean, he yeah. did he did very realistic stuff, and he did stuff that was like uh, actually Madonna modeled for him. No shit. And it's really funny. This is kind of a funny story because like this is before she was famous at all. She mm-hmm. would you know she was like Harry and from Detroit and came <laughs> came Wait, to. <laughs> you mean her vagina was yes, Harry, right? Her vagina. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure other parts and, of her and, are very. You can, Harry go- you can Google the Playboy. Her vagina oh. was Harry. Oh, yeah. the worst. <laughs> 
It's a gorilla salad. And her, and her, <laughs> her eyebrows were the same as uh, her vagina. Yeah, exactly. No, but, <laughs> she looked like, like Bert. Uh, but she, so yeah, she moved to New York and was doing, you know, freelance modeling. Yeah. And so my dad told me this when she came out. He was like, oh yeah, she used to model for me. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, do you have the art that you did? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's in Cape Cod because he had a place in Cape Cod. Yeah. So I went to Cape Cod and he showed me the piece of art that she modeled for. Naked, I might add. Yeah. And it was a steel rod with like a bolt sticking out of it. It was something that you could have like, like <laughs> there was no naked modeling necessary for that, <laughs> for that to be a thing that got made. You know, like, like he obviously was like, oh, yeah, stand there. I'm going to like twist some bolts. And, you know what I mean? He just needed a muse. He needed some inspiration yeah, to yeah. twist the bolts. Oh, you know? I mean, and he was notorious for just like having naked models. And, and yeah, well, like I'm going to draw like a tree. I, I mean, you know, your your mom's a lot younger. Was Pops kind of pimping or what? Uh, yeah, my dad was. I mean, he had seven kids. Yeah, <laughs> him and Norman Mailer were were named the most eligible bachelors in New York in like the 40s at some point. Oh, tight. by New Yorker magazine. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. He was, you know, he was a man about town. He was. Yeah, like a, yeah. he was also. 75% deaf. Oh, no shit. So that was another thing. Did you have to learn sign language or anything? No, I just had to scream. You had to scream. All the time. Yeah, yeah. And he also had selective hearing, I, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. You could hear my mom Did whisper. Did he have like a horn that he would put up no. to his ear? No, hearing aids. Yeah, hearing, hearing aids. Hearing yeah, aids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing like this fucking old crotchety dude like, what you say? No. It could have used it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the funny thing is that he could also, he could hear bass tones really well. Okay. So that fucked with me when I was like making beats and stuff. Yeah, he was like, turn yeah. it down. I'm like, how can you only hear this thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's you know, funny you, know. you just gotta put the bass lines in last then, yeah exactly you know? exactly just wait till he goes to another room yeah so. <laughs> yeah so like was dad like super cultured or uh, like where did he come from i guess he, uh, i find it very interesting he name. uh he was from pittsburgh oh pittsburgh that's, uh, where, that's where my dad's from oh okay yeah, cool yeah, yeah. Crazy. Uh, until about two years ago i thought he had come here from poland when he was four years old mm. but i learned that that's not true his parents were both from from, from poland and lithuania he was born here mm. but they had just arrived in america and yeah, he was from Pittsburgh, and he was just uh, like Jews. Uh, he was a Jew, yeah. Yeah, they got out at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they escaped. They escaped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he, uh, yeah, he just lived in Pittsburgh, and and he had a couple siblings, and all of them were just kind of not artists, and yeah. But he was kind of the golden child. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, I guess what I mean is like when I picture an artist. I don't know, like, what kind of artist was he? Was he very, like, high-class New York, or was he, like, oh. all, like, uh, you know, I want to go feel the wind in the breeze and that kind of shit? Or, oh, like... he was an artist that partied. Yeah. <laughs> like, he definitely, there were a lot of cocktail parties at my house. I used to I used to bartend the, the cocktail parties. Nice. A lot of scotch getting drunk. Hell yeah. A lot of cigarette smoking. It was it was a very, I, I, I would say it was classy. Like, was he walking around in tuxedos all no, the time? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. But he wasn't afraid of a suit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't like a, any sort of hippie thing. Yeah. It was way before hippies. Like yeah, my, yeah. my siblings were hippies. You well, know? What was mom into? Mom was a social worker. Okay. How did they meet, being 20 years old? That's different. a good question. I, I'd like to think that my dad tried to pick her up and just broke, broke her down until she said yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, like, I mean, he was probably still married when he met her. I mean, you know, it's a little one bit of, those, of a crossover. Yeah, I, I'd imagine. You know, he's that. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, it <laughs> happens. Yeah, you know, listen, he was he was a player in the fifties. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's one of the original Mad Men. He's before Mad Men. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how old he was. <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know how they met, actually. I don't think I've ever asked my mom. I just kind of assumed it was, like, through the art world. And right. she was from Poughkeepsie, New York. And she was a person who I think was had great admiration for arts. Yeah. The arts and artists and moved to New York and met my dad. Are you still close with your mom? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, my Does mom, she still live in New York? Yeah, my mom lives, like, 10 blocks from me. She lives nice. in the house I grew up in. Oh, really? Yeah, no, my mom and I are cool. That's my dope. Mom, yeah. So at what point 
did you become like enamored with like the hip hop culture? Was um, it at a young age? I'd say it came in like little blips. I'd yeah. say you know like I, I kind of uh, in in uh, the first cassette I ever bought was the Beat Street soundtrack. Okay, and I was I saw that movie in the theater and I didn't really know what hip hop was then. I was like seven or six or something. Mm. I don't even remember when that movie came out. But I saw that and the and the Santa rap really got me. Mm. And uh, but then I you know my brother older brother was like heavy into top forty music and like but almost in like a psychotic way like he just played nothing but top 40 music so i was really familiar with 80s music yeah and then around like sixth grade i'd say so i was like i was young for my grade so i was probably 10 you're like look bro i'm sick of huey lewis in the news (laughs) oh i wasn't but (laughs) i loved it no i I just didn't you know when you're young like i for me at least i didn't have taste like i didn't have yeah i knew what i didn't like yeah but for the most part everything was fine with me right right so yeah like around sixth grade i think i started like kind of veering toward hip-hop a little bit yeah and seventh grade that definitely picked up and by eighth grade i was like the guy writing every rapper's name on my binder and like was the school that you went to like pretty white bread or did was it pretty diverse i went to a hippie school i went i went to a school where where, uh uh, first through eighth grade where there was like um like 12 kids in a class oh wow and you call the teachers by the first name Uh and uh so it, it was mostly white, but there's there's there's, there's a diversity. It wasn't like you know it's in New York. There's there's, yeah, there's yeah. gonna be you know <laughs> right. You're gonna get a little everything out there, but uh, yeah. No, I mostly got it just from like you know watching TV and, and walking around. I mean, rap was around, you know, it, mm-hmm. and I and I grew up uh right near West Fourth Street where like the famous basketball cages are, mm-hmm. and like it was just like walking by there, you couldn't really avoid that. You know that the whole vibe of it was very you yeah know, street culture. I'm so intrigued by like the fact that you really grew up in New York because I don't know. I just feel like it's a rarity nowadays. Like most people, when you say that, oh, I, they, I live in New York, it's like oh, you're a transplant or something. And yeah. like yeah, me, yeah. having grown up in the fucking sticks, it's like the <laughs> exact opposite world. But I was enamored with with like New York as a child. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, but, yeah. Like you know, movies about about New York were like amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And so I like wonder like what did you do as a kid? Like when did you when were you able to just start wandering around outside by yourself? You know uh, what I'm saying? Let's see. I, you know, I, I was thinking about that the other day because. Uh, cuz there was like a crazy kidnapping that happened there when I was a kid. Yeah. And they recently 30 years later found the guy who did it, which is crazy. No shit. This guy Eton Pates got. And I knew I played little league with his brother. It was kind of this crazy thing. So there was a huge oh. fear of kidnapping and my school was 3 blocks from my house and I probably started going there alone when I was like 9 or 10, yeah. I'd say. Maybe yeah, like sixth grade probably. That, that shit's weird. Like in the eighties, there was like a real kidnapping scare. Oh, like I remember one time I hid in a J C Penney's like underneath a, a clothing rack, and my mom like started screaming bloody murder, thinking that I had fucking. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm just hiding. Like she thought that I had gotten kidnapped. That that was a real thing in the eighties, oh. you know. And there was a rash of, and, and especially in in downtown Manhattan for some reason, there was a rash of a. Uh, of kidnappings in the in the mid early eighties, and so like parents were really freaking out. My parent, I mean, like my mom, you know, my school was so close to my house that like it was like, oh, just you know, go go there, come home, and I did, and I, you know, I never got yeah. kidnapped. But uh, that was the only way, place I could go, uh-huh. like as far as walking alone, and probably not until I was like eleven, ten or eleven, did I really start like traveling out there myself. And like, did you have like neighbor kids that you just grew up with that were like your friends or what? not in not on my block really, but yeah. I had friends from school who all yeah. lived like within like. 10 block radius of my house and stuff and we hung out but we you know we like as i got older i'd go to like you know pool halls and all that shit and like yeah. you know it, it definitely as you get older you kind of expand your your horizons as far as like the parts of the city you would see and like like i didn't really see the the lower east side of manhattan until i was in like my late teens uh-huh. 
outside of like picking up weed spot like there were like weed spots in there yeah <laughs> uh so yeah it's it is it very i was very much in my neighborhood yeah for and, a long you, time. and that's the thing is that you always hear about city kids grow up fast and stuff like did you think that was is a true cliche yeah. Or, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I i like were drugs around at an early age um not necessarily for sure. you but or did you see that you know sure like, drugs yeah. people fucking when they're 11 years old and wow like uh, like, like uh, st- i mean it's just I think that's just kind of kid shit. I mean, as a 36-year-old, it's horrifying to think about. Mm. But that was really common back then. I remember being 11 being like, oh, my God, Chris, fuck that girl. That's crazy. Like, wow. And I was a virgin, but I was like, oh. Like, it, 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 was, it wasn't like. Well, you were a virgin at 11. You I know, fucking, I know. What a, I know, I what know. a dork. I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, fuck. like what the I fuck? Know. That's crazy. I know. I virginity at 11 is like, that's, that's the, losing your virginity at 11 is crazy. Yeah. Like, I, that's not normal. Like, I'm trying to, like, even imagine, like, what my dick was doing when I was 11. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I was like, oh, really? Uh, 12 was really more where people started kicking in, but. Not me. No, I was. I was. A, I, was <laughs> not, I wasn't that guy. Like in the hallways. You're like, oh, if you're not getting pussy at twelve, you're not living life. No, I remember. It's. I, I went to the first year. I went to in my. I was a freshman in high school. I went to this high school uptown, and this girl who lived on my block and like happened to go to school. And I had just met her, and we were like taking the train home, and she was. You know, we're thirteen years old, and she's like, she's like, are you a virgin? I was like, yeah. I was, and I was like beyond a virgin. I yeah. was like, I don't think I had kissed a girl. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like I was like next level virgin. Right, right. And then she's like, oh, my God. And she, like, like treated me like I was a piece of shit after that. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you're fucking 13. Like, what have you been doing your entire life? Yeah, seriously. You know? But the growing up fast thing, it's more uh, being on your wits, like having your wits about you. Yeah. Like, I was, I'm very aware of my surroundings at all times because of growing up in New York. And I'm very – And particularly you grew, you grew up in New York at a time when it, like, wasn't really oh, safe. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. Had to saw, always had to be watching over your shoulder and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you could – I remember just seeing kids, like, I'll be walking down, like, Broadway and just, like, I'll see, like, like a fuzzy thing in the distance that looked like kids wilding out. Mm-hmm. And I was like – and I just turn and <laughs> avoid yeah. it. You know, you just yeah, like, yeah. oh, I don't want a piece of that. And yeah. then you just you go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. How many times have you gotten mugged in your life? Uh, Successfully – Let's see. Successfully. I mean, because I didn't have money ever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I got robbed from my bus pass and shit. I got mugged twice. I got held at gunpoint once. No shit. I got held at chain point. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, swinging a fucking mallet. No, I, I was walking through Washington Square Park on my way to, a, to, like, some party. I was, like, 15. And, uh, and these dudes walk up to me, and there's, like, eight of them. And they literally had blood on their jeans. <laughs> Oh, and they were shit. holding chains like they were fucking treach or some shit. Wow. And they're like, give me your money. I had like $11. I was like, yeah. here, take it. And they took my bus pass and they're like, all right, we got you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, great. But I've also been snuffed in public from people thinking I was a graffiti writer that I wasn't. Really? Like just coming, just running up on you and socking you? They're like, yo, you write Dell? I was like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Snuff. Oh, shit. And he, of course, it's like the littlest guy and there's yeah. like 13 assholes behind him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that kind of stuff. I never got beat down. Right. I never got like the full on. I'm a very careful person and I very uh I stay out of trouble. I've always, I've never been arrested, you know. I'm right. like, you know, I'm on the straight and narrow. When you go to small towns, do you feel like uh everybody's kind of kooks or like when you go to small towns, do you feel like everyone's kind of suckers? Is that in uh, New York? No. No, no. I okay. think that I have a way more feeling of suckerness for people who uh <laughs> who move to New York and then pretend they're from New York. Right. That to me is the mo- the sucker move of all time. That's like super despised right now, right? Like, uh, and like, by New Yorkers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, New Yorkers I mean, hate that, right? Well, we hate that and we hate that what's happened to New York because of that. Yeah. For instance, uh, people moving into a neighborhood they think is cool and then complaining about the way that neighborhood is and in turn changing that neighborhood to fit their fucking ideals of what a neighborhood should be when they shouldn't have moved there in the first place. And right. That, like all these bars are closing down in the East Village. 
because, you know, investment bankers are there and be like, dude, I didn't move here so I could be kept up late by these bars. I'm like, you know, you sh- that's why you live somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's and that's fucking New York up. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's funny because I don't know if that's like really as much of a thing in LA because there's no like real uh centralized neighborhood here per right, se. Right, and like right. so I don't know that anybody really gets that offended by transplants because I feel like most of this city is just transplants oh, yeah, from yeah. the last generation. You know I bug out when I meet a native Los Angeles. Oh yeah, it's, it's rare to meet a you know, native. Almost I met, as much when I meet a native New York. <laughs> I, I, met, I met one last night who was like, "Yeah, I was fucking raised in Santa Monica. I went to Beverly High." I'm like, "Whoa, dude, that's crazy! Yeah. Like, that's tight." It's it's rare. I think yeah. it's rare. I mean, being from a city where people come to, like, I, I get a lot of shit for being really over the top pro New York. Like, I I definitely, I admittedly am am the worst about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> but I I'm that way for a reason because like, there's not many things in my life that I really take that much pride in. And this thing I take pride in, I had nothing to do with other than just happen to being bored there. But the experience of growing up there is something that not many people have. Right, you know? right, and right. It's its own thing. You know? Yeah. Okay, so you make beats. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, you make beats. That's what you <laughs> now do. Now we're here. Yeah, now now we're going to talk about music, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, uh, fucking. Yeah, when did you start making beats? Uh, I started making beats. Uh, well, there's a couple layers of that because uh, at first I was a rapper. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if you know that. You, I, you I, I, that. I, I, we've talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what did you start rapping? I started rapping probably in 1990. I started writing in 1990. Wow. And then I I met this dude who was a little older than me who was like who who was really like my rap like Mr. Miyagi. Like yeah. he was he was a guy. Uh, he was like an older black dude, and he just kind of like embraced me as like his like little brother, and like just started putting me on to shit. I didn't know you and Rakim were that close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was it? This dude Manny. He's just a guy that worked at this uh, store I went to all the time, and like so I don't know how we got to talking about rap one day. And I would give him tapes, like like I'd always be the guy that got the tape when it came out, right mm-hmm. when it came out, and and I give him tapes, and he wrote rhymes. Mm-hmm. So I would sometimes ghostwrite for him. Mm. Because I had, I was like a punchline guy. That yeah, was like yeah. My, so I, I, you know, if you need, and because a you're a fucking cracker, and, yeah, and you don't, probably didn't have a great and rap voice. I had a terrible rap voice, but you could write lines. I could write. I could yeah. write. I couldn't flow. I couldn't rap, but I could yeah. write. So I, I wrote him stuff, and uh, and basically like, I got started making beats by giving his producer samples. Like I would just give him. Mm. That was the first thing I ever did in the line of like being like, hmm, I could maybe do this. Yeah, like I'd go through my dad's like jazz cassettes and oh. be like, here, check, check this out. It's like yeah. a Chick Korea. So uh, about ninety. Four, that was around 92 yeah around 94 i started kind of getting the idea that i wanted to make beats yeah but i couldn't really afford a sampler before we get too heavy into that i want to yeah. i have a side note question yes. uh okay so like you're a couple years older than me yeah. and, and like I, I was into hip-hop by 1990 as well but mm-hmm. i was like a fourth grader maybe yeah. or a third grader and so like i was into like mc hammer and vanilla ice yeah, and yeah. shit but like dude it, because that's what made it to Alaska via yeah, MTV oh yeah, sure, and shit. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like you were in the thick of it, and and so like, oh, yeah. I was like tell, with Juice Crew. And that's like, what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell, tell me about like being right there in the heart of it, and, and like like going to the fucking store and buying tapes every week or buying records or uh, whatever. I mean, like it was the it was the I mean it it, it became an obsession. Yeah. For thing and and like and I also you know and I would fanatically read the source and yeah. like and just like. And this is before the internet, so there really wasn't, you know. Yeah, it's like, well, like that's the thing is, like, I try to put it in perspective. It's like uh, you and I are people that are on the internet a lot. Like that's yeah. how we met and shit. And yeah. so, like, we're like kind of up on things, and yeah. we we look for new sure. stuff. So I imagine, like, even back then, you were kind of had the same mentality. And so it's like, I imagine, like, knowing about Nas before Nas became a national oh. thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and that, and that, like that. by then I knew like that. 
I also got linked into people who worked at record labels yeah. at a young age. Um, How so? so? Just like meeting people. Like the dawn of the internet for me was like 94, 95. Yeah. And I started trading tapes with people. And I hooked up with this dude who worked for Capitol Records. Uh-huh. And I'd trade him new, like uh, Stretch Armstrong tapes and stuff. And he'd send me like uh, like – uh, all balls don't bounce like two years before it came out oh wow. um but also there was a record store near my house that got every columbia records release uh like like eight months in advance wow and it, and it would be a blank tape with yeah. no listings on it and just be like the album title and the and the cover yeah and so i had uh illmatic eight months before it came out no shit i had tim dogs penicillin on wax eight months yeah. before it came out you Cypress, still have those Cypress tapes? Hill, Cypress Hill's first album. Like no one knew who Cypress Hill was. You still have those tapes? Yeah. yeah. Well, oh wow, those yeah. got to be worth something yeah. eventually. I know. Right? I got to figure. I find them. Yeah, yeah. They're in my house somewhere. But uh, yeah, so like I, it was. It was a lot of like a like you'd see a title or like a name of a rapper you've never heard of and be like, well, it's on that label, so I'm gonna buy it. Right, because you know? back then it wasn't. You weren't inundated like w- no. with it like you are, we are today, where it's like you really have to be picky about what you choose to listen to. Back then it was like, oh, if there's a cool album cover, it's probably pretty cool. Yeah. And it's in the rap section. It looks like, oh, that looks like some fun gangster rap shit. I'll buy that. Yeah, and, yeah. And a lot of those albums that I bought that I maybe had seen like a, a blip of a video on on Video Music Box, which is like a huge thing in New York, which yeah. is like the underground rap video station uh, yeah. channel. Uh, like I'd buy those records just off that. And a lot of those records are still some of my favorite records ever. And, and you know. It, it was an interesting time, like in trading tapes and like dubbing stuff. Were other people. kids that you were around super into it as well, like at, in high school? Not as much. In high school, yeah. In in like ninth, in, in seventh and eighth grade, I had like one friend or two friends who like I bonded with on that. And we both like, you know, like we would just all like listen to rap together. But and, really, you know, Manny, Manny was the big brother. Man, Manny, is, Manny put me on to everything countless things yeah. Yeah. yeah so you start giving uh people samples yeah so i gave people samples and then uh around 2000 f- i'm sorry 94 i knew this dude chasm who was a down with the uh, adams family mm-hmm. i knew him way before then he's a dude from my neighborhood mm-hmm. he's younger than me in fact i like kind of put him on to rap in general <laughs> as a thing. Okay. so he bought an npc and then i was like oh i want to make beats with you so i would bring samples over there and we would make beats he would do all the the, the mechanical work and i would just kind of be like no do this do that do this oh yeah so that we're doing you, that. You were the curator and he was the button yeah. pusher. I was like the actual producer. Yeah, yeah. Where he was the like engineer. <laughs> right. But, I mean, he had his input as well. You know, we, we made a couple of You're together. Quincy Jones in this shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then uh, that, you know, I got tired of relying on him because I, you know, I just wanted to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So late 94, early 95, I don't remember which one it was, but I went and bought an ASR 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that was that. And I just started making it. And that's the you fuck with today. Yeah. Is it the same one or have you had to same upgrade? One. Wow. Same one. That is a reliable piece of machinery. You could say that. Yeah. It's also the worst. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it, it's broken down many times and it's, there's always something wrong with it. And, yeah. Are you somebody that like collects equipment? No. Do you have any kind of nostalgia for that kind of no, shit? No, no. I'm not. A, I'm not a tech head at all. I have an ASR10. I got a laptop. I got Ableton, and I got a like a, a Moog like synthesizer. That's it. Yeah. That's all I have, and I don't have any interest in collecting more. That's so funny. <laughs> I also don't have space. Yeah. For more. That's yeah, another yeah. thing. I'm limited by New York and the space that I'm Dude. given. I've only I've only been out to New York once as an adult, and when I was there, we spent a day together. Yeah. We like walked probably seven miles, yeah, yeah. and I was wearing Vans. And the next Bad day, day I, I couldn't walk. <laughs> I could not walk the next day. Like I couldn't get up the stairs. But yeah, the one thing that really astounded me is like how small apartments are there. Like, oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. The girl that I stayed with couldn't open her bedroom door all the way because her bed was in the way. Like it was <laughs> like it was crazy. There was no place to put my suitcase. Like well, I mean, for the young people living there, yeah. Fuck. I mean, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, my apartment's actually not a small apartment. Yeah. Considering what you know, 
where it is and what it is. Right. But I also live with a girl and I also, you know, she's in fashion. So there's nothing mm. but clothes in my house. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the space is limited. Like when I grew up, I had space in my parents' house. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, once you go on your own, yeah, yeah, it's limited. <laughs> no, I find that refreshing that you're not somebody that just buys shit to just to buy it. You know, oh, no. I know, a lot, I nah. feel like I know a lot of producers that are just like, you walk in to their little producer cubby and they just have equipment everywhere that they never turn on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause they just are really working on a laptop the whole time. Yeah. I'm partially because I, I feel like pretty at ease with how I make beats now. I'm yeah. like, and I like my process doesn't really need that. Yeah. But also cause like, I don't like learning things and I don't like, and I'm frugal. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I, like yeah. I, I support myself making music. I'm fine financially, but you know, if I start buying equipment that could really, <laughs> right, right. really hurt my pockets a little yeah, bit. You know? Yeah. Extra dense. Yeah. It's not, and it's not like it's going to make me more money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There needs to be an, an ROI, yeah. if you will, return on investment business. Exactly. Oh, but, you know, hey, business stuff, guys, I'm giving you knowledge right now. I, you gave me knowledge. Yeah, right there. You're welcome. But, uh, but if someone wants to give me stuff, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. So you start making beats and like, you start really having an ASR in like 94, 95 and yeah. you start pounding out beats. And then like, how do you start showing them to people? Uh, how long was it before you start showing them I to people? I was still with my, I was rapping then. Yeah. Oh, was, so you're rapping over your own beats? I was. I was. And I was. I had a group. I was in a group. With what like, were they called? The Overground. The Overground. Yeah. Oh, mm. Very clever. Yeah. Because we were not underground. Yeah. Right? But we were really underground. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't understand us, maybe we stand over Overground, you. yeah. I was, you know, I it was a name that I was just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. That's, that's a good 90s name. That it is, is. It is. That's a 90s it's name. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. When that Sneaker Pimp song came out, they're like, Overground. Oh, uh, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, shit. Why don't, can we have to change our Yeah, name? how do you think I feel when the Jewel song named Intuition came out? <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> that ruined everything, man. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I was rapping and, uh, um, and but there's another dude making beats. This guy Dub L, yeah. who uh, did a lot of Aesop's early stuff. Okay, it was me, him. Yeah, uh, he was on like Appleseed or something, right? Dub L, no, no, he no. was on music by music or music for, for Earthworms. For Earthworms. Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah, yeah. He did pretty much every beat except for like three on that album. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and he actually gave Aesop his first start on a. He did, had a like a trip hop group called the Controls, uh-huh. and Aesop rapped on two songs in that. Okay, so that's that's like so you Dub L and who else? Uh, my friend Niles, who lives in LA, who I'm staying with today. And, oh, uh, shout out to Niles. What up, Niles? And uh, and my friend Jer, who I feel is, like Niles is a day where like his dad had to be in the art scene too. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. His dad is he's like an Italian Jew though. He's like from Brooklyn. I don't know how he got. How do you mean Italian Jew? Like uh, half Italian, half Jewish? Well, no, he, Niles is an Italian Jew. His dad's a Jew. His mom's oh, uh, Italian. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But they both grew up in Brooklyn and like are, they have the accent. Yeah, yeah. They've got the accent. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, and my and my friend Jer. Who was in Party Fun Action Committee with me? Who was also Sir Charlesburg? Oh yes, yeah. shout out to Sir yeah, Sir Charlesburg. He's very funny. Yeah, he's amazing. And yeah, yeah. so that was our group was us, and we like kind of fashioned ourselves as like the so East you, Coast so white you, souls of mischief. So you, so you guys <laughs> like started off all making very like you were taking yourself seriously at the time. Kind of, we we were silly. We yeah. were silly. Like we were like a far side, a white far side without any skills. Okay. <laughs> and but, the worst but lo and behold you guys have all remained fucking good friends and still make like funny raps together yeah, yeah. sometimes oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean Dub L's a musician professionally now yeah. he makes beats for like he did beats for like Jim Jones and shit oh shit and uh, Niles the only one who doesn't do music anymore but he does films and stuff and uh, and Jared does music and I do music and uh, yeah I mean it was you know we're all close friends and yeah yeah stayed so that way. when did you start running into the people that would eventually uh, be 
that era that I know you from is the Def Jokes shit. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. when I found out about Blockhead and, mm-hmm. and kept following your career. And like, I think at one point on the internet, like actually on uh, the site that we know each other from, yes. com, I think in like 2003, I was like, there was a thread about like, who's your favorite producer? And I said, yo, if Blockhead's whole album is like this 12 inch he just released, he's going to be my favorite producer. So <laughs> nice, like, nice. yeah, yeah. So like, I know you from that era. Like, yeah. when did you start running into all those guys? Well, I met, I met Aesop at BU. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, well. It depends what you mean by running in, by meeting and actually like, talking. Yeah, to people. Yeah, meeting and talking. Because I went sure. to L- I went to company flow shows before I knew LP. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to I was a huge Fondalum and, and and fan, and yeah. I was you know I was the underground. That was like the peak for me. You were like ahead. It was yeah. It was a, a stretch on but the stretch and Bobito years were the most formative years for hip hop for me as the type of like kind of taking stuff a little further. I will say the Golden Age stuff is my favorite stuff, but yeah. that stuff is kind of where I, I was like, oh, you can do more with this than just, you know, a breakbeat and a loop. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would go see, like, like Juggernauts and and, uh, and Company Flow at New York and Poets Cafe and yeah. stuff. And, uh, and those guys are, like, like stars to me. And I remember seeing Jay... Uh, Jay Treads. I remember, oh, yeah, Jay I, Treads. I remember seeing okay. Jay Treads sorry, wa- sorry. walking to the train after a show. Yeah. And, uh, and me being like, yo, he takes the train? <laughs> And this, keep in mind, this is a guy that never had a 12 inch at that point and was just like a, a guest. I was like, he must be rich. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was that era. Oh, people still make yeah, that yeah. assumption. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like, when I'm selling merch at my shows, they're like, why are you selling your own merch? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, because no one else is going to fucking sell right. it. Right. <laughs> what, am I supposed to hire somebody? Yeah, exactly. Like, like what, am I God? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I would see those shows, but then I met Aesop in, like, 94. So you met him at BU? Yeah, yeah. But you guys were both New York kids? or what? He was from Long Island. I didn't know. Yeah, he was from Long Island. How did you guys meet at BU? Basically, like... When I went to college, I don't know if this is the same thing. Probably is, but like you know, when you go to college and you like see people that you're like, oh, that looks like someone who's into some same thing that I. Oh, into. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I, I got hooked in with a couple rap people. Yeah. Just by being like, oh, you like rap? I like rap. Yeah, hip hop, yeah. hip hop. For me in college, it was like, oh, you smoke weed? I smoke weed. Yeah, Let's yeah. hang out. That's, that's a, a big bond and, as well. Yeah, 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 but that makes you hang out with people that are fucking have no other similar interests, which is shitty. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'd say the coke thing is the worst oh man the worst connection anyone can have yeah <laughs> like you do coke i do coke yeah we're both awful <laughs> but i always say i always say at least you learn a lot about art when you have coke friends because you're like yo bro you like art i like art tell me about the books you read oh shit you like music tell me about this music like like you end up leaving a fucking coke binge with like four cds and six books to read it's and then you never listen to read to yeah exactly and you're like, uh, what was i thinking <laughs> but anyways. so yeah so I, I got hooked in with these dudes and one of them actually was this guy uh devin who own, who now owns Nature Sounds Records, and he and I did some like heavy tape trading. We were, like when you have like this crazy radio shows recorded that have stuff that are super rare before yeah, the internet. Yeah, that stuff is kind of like gold, and anyone that has that. And he and he had hookups like he had Mob Deep's uh, big album before anyone had it, so I, he gave me that like way before it yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah. And like so that, that was always a thing, you know, like tape trading. And then he was friends with Aesop. We met in a party, and I think I freestyled with him and a couple of his friends. And we just kind of definitely like bonded on some nerd shit. Were you barring him up? Definitely not. No. Aesop is a fucking phenomenal freestyler. Really? Oh, he's amazing. And back then, he freestyled like his freestyles sound like written Saphir verses back then. Really? Like they were just like, what? Yeah. And I was like, you know, just trying to come up with a punchline. Like I was 
pretty mediocre. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was always a terrible freestyle too. I would blow my load in the first two bars. I would have like one hilarious punchline that everyone would remember, and then I would just like try to stay afloat for a few more meander. bars. <laughs> yeah, I would have this hilarious fucking punchline, and then I'd be like, "Yeah, that was fun. I'm on the run." Yeah. Like, like, you know, it's like, it's like it's like similar to like noodling and guitars. Like, yeah, yeah. If you uh, have a good line that makes everybody laugh, yeah. you can like weasel your way out oh, of yeah. having to keep rapping while everyone's laughing. Yeah. Still, you know, what I'm I was saying? always flying by the seat of my pants, and like if I happened to hit on something, then I yeah. was lucky. But most of the time, it's like, and you know that I do that. Like, I, I had that, you know, that one thing <laughs> the that you crutch, always the go crutch. the crutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where Aesop didn't have that, and he really? was fucking phenomenal. I mean, when you met him, was he, like, obsessed with, like, to be a good freestyler, you have to, like, really be obsessed with rap. Like, he was, was, was he, just, like, locked in his room practicing all day? I don't even know. He was, he's kind of a savant in the way that he can kind of do anything and be good at it. Like, he was a great painter. There are some people that are just know? good at everything. Like, I mean, I, sure. and I mean, from an artistic standpoint, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, you can't put a basketball in his hands, you know? Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> but, like, he... Which he, is a shame. He's tall. He's 6'4", man. Yeah. I, I always wanted to play. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but could, uh, It could have been the yeah. eel. He and, skated. He's, oh, okay. he's a good skater. Oh, okay. He was a good skater. Nice. But yeah, like he just, I remember the first thing, he, I went to his dorm room once and he had a four track and he played me a song which was all acapella. Yeah. And it was like him doing all these like weird like freestyle fellowship fill-ins like, kind of, and, and it was amazing. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I was like, That's kind of when I started to like be like, maybe I shouldn't really rap anymore because I'm going to be chilling with this guy. That's what it takes. I didn't start realizing like what a shitty freestyler I was until I was around like no can and, and fools oh, yeah. like that. And I was like, Forget oh, it. wait, I thought I was going to freestyle, but I'm terrible at it compared yeah. to these guys. But I, I'll keep writing because I'm OK at that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you like hone that skill. Yeah. Once you are around somebody that's actually really talented at yeah. what you're trying to do, it's like a wake up call. You he know? was the first and he was the first guy that really I was like, holy shit. And, and he then he uh, came to New York for the summer and I kind of integrated him with my friends and like we all started hanging out now you know and they and we were rapping together we were freestyling together and he was just so much better than everyone yeah. like he was just so like it was it wasn't even funny so we were like all right let's make you need to make music right so i was still rapping but i started making beats he started making beats like a little like a hair after me like we, we both had asr 10s yeah and uh yeah and so like we just he'd come over we'd make demos like i have tons of old shitty demos that no one will ever hear yeah and, uh, of me rapping with him really <laughs> yeah oh i've got like five or six songs what was the first song that like hit a chord with people that you guys made together oh uh, like on a local level or whatever like something where people were like oh shit you guys are onto something uh it wasn't what i made with him okay. it was what dub l made with him. Oh, okay. he made um a song called abandon all hope oh yeah, yeah and they made a video for it yeah and that kind of started the ball rolling and i and it because it was really like he he murders that song and, and like and it really at the time East Coast rappers weren't rapping like that. Yeah, it was so different. It than was anything. very different. And it was very like, and like, it, it's no one sounded like that. And no and, one did yeah. sound like that. And, and hearing, I always thought he was black. I was like so oh, surprised yeah. to find yeah. out. Like, that was like an ongoing meme. But, there's but, still an argument on, <laughs> online. You know? Aesop Rock is white? Yeah. What? <laughs> but like, no, yeah. I mean, definitely the first time that you hear that guy, it's different than anything you've yeah. ever heard. And it was like, for better, for worse. It was like, know? wow. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people were like, don't get it. And, yeah. and then. People like me, and like Mark is a huge Aesop Rock fan. Yeah. Equilibrium is a huge Aesop yeah. Rock fan. And we were always just kind of like, wow, when we heard that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Like, it's yeah. crazy. So well, that's how I felt when I heard like Freestyle Fellowship for the yeah, first time. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. So, yeah, that we put together the, the music by uh, music for Earthworms yeah. <laughs> uh, album and sold it in online at, on, off like a like a – a couple the, websites. The giant Peach or what was Giant that? Peach helped out with that. And well they helped more with Appleseed. Oh okay. Um Stinky Sandlot? Or no Sandbox. Sandbox, Sandbox. yeah, yeah. Sandbox and, and ATAK attack. Okay. And and Full Blown okay. were the ones that, that yeah, put yeah. it out. But I was literally um you know, cutting covers and sending them out personally to people for nice. like a year and a half. Seems like you guys' uh relationship started more as like you never like 
were like, oh, I need to fuck be around this guy to make music. It was like you guys were friends. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and we were, it just kind of happened. We were friends. Yeah, everyone I chilled with back then was was someone who was heavily into rap and the and it was the friendship was the first thing yeah and but that's just what we did we yeah. just hang out freestyling all day and fucking making beats and right. doing stuff like that how long did it take to make something like Appleseed with you guys uh well he did almost all he did almost all the beats on Appleseed. i only did one beat on oh, Appleseed. Okay. uh omega one did another beat and he did the rest and uh and Appleseed, like yeah he just made it in his house so he'd be like hey check the song out. i was like oh cool yeah yeah um yeah, and that was, I mean, it was pretty soon after music uh, for Earthworms that he kind of started doing it. And, but he moved away from working with Dub L and started doing his own thing. But I'm probably just fucking up my Aesop Rock timeline. Now, what was the order? It was like, he did, what was the music first? Music for Earthworms. Was Apple first, seed, then Appleseed. Float. Then, oh, you were heavily involved with Float, though. Float, right? I did, I did um, over half of Float, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Float. And Labor okay. Days, I did over half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- Float was the first record I got put onto his read, yeah. and then I had to go back and find the other ones. But yeah, yeah like Float. Okay, so, I mean, were you just going through a time where you were, like, ha- heavy output? Did you Were you just, like, making a shitload of beats, and oh, that's yeah, how yeah, half yeah. of them ended up on there? Or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, that because he... I don't think he was really comfortable making beats back yeah. then. He did make beats for his album, but I think he, he kind of uh, felt more eddie's using mine yeah in the float era yeah um even though we were kind of on the same page like we both made beats that were similar like people always like hey big bang's my favorite beat and i was like i didn't make it dude yeah yeah, yeah uh but um yeah like it, it just kind of I, I was pretty prolific and he was writing all the time you know yeah and so it, it just became this process like i'd go over and like we'd to track it out and he'd make the song and that was that you know yeah and w- when was he performing out at the time Occasionally, a, you, a little bit, a little bit. Would you perform with him? No, no, no. Because I, no? I don't DJ. I don't really, you know, I, I didn't really have any use. Like, there was like a CDR kind of situation. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are making music together, and are people starting to hear about it locally? Like, is it, it buzzing a little bit was, around the town, or is it more like an internet thing? It was more internet. It was yeah. definitely more internet. And, like, it's funny, because locally, there was, like, a little group of people that were kind of starting to hear about him like like stretch and bob never opened up to him at all yeah I mean, it, was, it was later yeah but you know he went on this show called night train which was kind of a spinoff of stretch and bob yeah but more so than anything it was the internet and that's how it really spread because i was sending orders to like you know phoenix and 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 seattle yeah, yeah. And, and that's where most of the orders were coming not they were not coming from new york right and i think that's been a thing of his is like he's more popular he's popular everywhere now i remember you know? he, uh one of the songs that like really i think opened the door to aesop rock for me was the one that him and sean did together oh i'll uh, be okay him and slug yeah the i'll be okay show. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah how did that happen where like two people from different scenes like but that's both the internet. underground shit like that's yeah, the internet, internet yeah. shit? What, what happened was that uh it's kind of how we met all those dudes all the guys from ohio all the anacon guys like dose mm-hmm. like uh i guess dose was the only one that really he came with sean kind of mm-hmm. but they all came to new york for rocksteady mm-hmm. and they all were fans of each other and mm. uh and so pretty much and and i think asap to perform and, at rocksteady or just to be like fans at rocksteady no they they came to rocksteady to be like yeah let's go to new york and yeah. and, and check out this hip-hop festival right right because asap wasn't going to, to a scribble okay you know neither of us were going to scribble. i went to scribble one year but that yeah. was that um so yeah they came in and uh and just on some like they had been corresponding like yo let's make music together so like they made a bunch of music together and yeah and and atmosphere wasn't much more popular than asap at that point yeah and uh you know dose was kind of they, they were all on the same level you know, they all had like small fan bases, right? Like very, like hardcore fan bases, but small nonetheless. And uh, and we, yeah, they all just kind of worked together. And like, I'd bring over a beat, I'd leave the next day, come back. There's a song made, <laughs> right? Right. You know, and uh, that's how that worked. And then they came back again, and we did all these songs for like with the Logic and Blueprint, and uh, and we all just kind of came like a very loose. 
group of people that worked together. Adam's family. Yeah, it was like a big was collective a big, yeah. of like people from all across the country. Like when I started hearing about you guys and the early Def Jux shit, it was like I also associated it with the Rhyme Sayer shit. I associated it with like yeah, those dudes from like Cincinnati mm-hmm. that like or, or not Cincinnati. Is that where Blueprints from? Uh, it? It's from Columbus. Oh yeah, Columbus, Columbus Ohio. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like. Uh, RJD2 I associated with, all that shit. After Float comes out, how long is it until you guys start making Daylight? Or was it? No, uh, Labor uh, Days. uh, I'm sorry, Labor Days. Yeah, Um, my bad. uh, It was, um, he never stops making music. Yeah, it was just a continuous thing. Yeah, and and I think after Float, we both kind of felt that like it could there could have been some quality control on Float because there was Mm -hmm. like 19 songs like seven minutes long. Yeah. (laughs) So we came, when we started working Labor Days, we were just making songs, making songs, making songs. And this was a more concise album. I think we definitely focused in on like he he had he had a yeah. I mean it's a re- it's like a record. He had a concept. Yeah, he had yeah. a concept. Labor oh, yeah. Day. He was working a job. He hated his fucking life. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, he didn't know who was going to put it out because Mush Records put out Float. Yeah. And then somehow LP kind of heard of him, and then that's how that's how Labor Day's like LP was like oh yeah I'll put him out yeah and. It was one of the, you know. The so did you guys releases. like sit down and have a meeting with the Don? Like, did it feel like you were going to meet the Godfather or I something? Didn't. No? I didn't. I was, yeah, I, I was never a person that was very involved in any of that stuff. Like, like Aesop and, and L. Like, I, I had met L well after he had been signed uh-huh. to Def Jux. And uh, only then did I, you know, like start to meet all the other guys from Yeah. The, you know, were you hanging out with those guys a lot though? Like, uh, like uh, just having beers? And stuff? Yeah, or no, I don't know. Like, was it a scene? I guess. Like, like right it, now in Los Angeles, there's a scene. Like, all of yeah. us, all of the rappers that are trying to do stuff, we all fucking we have our scene that we hang yeah. out with. You know what I mean? That's like our group of friends. It was a scene. Yeah, it was. A, I, but I, I was not as heavily involved in. I because the thing is, like, you know, as someone who was from New York, I had my own friends and I had yeah. my own life, and like I went to rap shows, but I also spent the majority of my days. Did you, chilling with my did, friends. did you feel like what you were doing was like this dual life where, where like you had your normal friends, but then you had your like well, your, no. your rap shows that you would go to? That was <laughs> no, like, now I would feel like that yeah. because it's so separate. But back then, like my friends would go to rap shows with me. Okay, but I mean, outside, I mean, Aesop and I were, were were really close friends. Yeah, or are really close friends, and and uh, and so we hung out all the time. But I didn't hang out with uh with a lot of the Jux guys until like you know I I, I mean I knew them all, I yeah. got along with them all. Yeah, but I did. I, there was never a point where I was like going over to L's house every day and hanging out. It just right. like, I just, it just wasn't something I did. I don't know. Right, I mean, right, there was right. also a bit of like me being kind of like, Oh shit, that's LP. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. That it took a while for that to wear off, you know? Right. I was such a fan of his work. Yeah. What was the point where, um, the Aesop stuff started really cracking off to the point where like, Oh, n- now blockhead is a name is like a, a notable name too. And, and you got approached to do your solo deals. I got uh, approached. Uh, let's see. When was that? I did a breakbeat record for, um, mush records mm-hmm. after float. Mm hmm. And I didn't even know what that was. He's like, "Yo, can you make a breakbeat record?" I was like, oh, "What do you what, what do you mean like what drum is tracks?" Yeah, what is? He's that? like, "No, they're like short loops, like just uh, like like short little things for DJs to play with." And I was like, "Okay." So I basically took ten throwaway beats I had that I hadn't finished. I was like, the, "Like these?" He's yeah. like, "Perfect." Uh, they put that out. They pressed like five thousand of that, and that was that. And then uh, it came because of like lunch, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Blockhead. Uh-huh. Those were basically what he wanted. He okay. wanted little little pieces like that. Yeah. So that was that, and I'd never thought of making instrumental stuff. We made Labor Days. I had some notoriety. I had people like hitting me up for beats and stuff, but no one that I really like wanted to work with. Yeah. <laughs> I did so, you know, I just, I mean, I, I had friends. I, I work with people I liked. I work with Low Deck and I work with, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of people I, I can't remember, but, uh, but yeah, like it wasn't like I was like had like people who were like above me. Right. Being like, yo, you got to work with me. Like that right. never happened. Right. Um, so then Labor Days came out and then we did the EP and I made an instrumental called Far's Crunk on that. 
And that was the first time me being like, oh, instrumental music. Because I didn't really listen to instrumental music. I'd listened to, you know, Shadow's album a couple times. I love Shadow. I was a big fan of his, uh, of the Soul Side stuff. Yeah. But I didn't really care about instrumental music. I didn't, you know, you know? yeah, Sh- Shadow never, I know the significance of that record, but it's not, it never affected me that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not something that I, like, bump consistently. On, <laughs> on some low-down, dirty shit. Yeah. <laughs> the connection I have with Shadow's record is that a friend of mine made a home porn and soundtracked it with Shadow's records. So every time I hear like uh, like one of his songs, I just think about like, oh, that's him with fucking that girl with that hidden camera. You're like thinking of your friend's dick. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that was really fucked up. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and, that's that's how it resonates with me. So that's that's hilarious. That that's, but the, it, that's the soundtrack. But it is, I mean, listen, it's a, that album's a classic album. I just was yeah, never, exactly. It's it's a classic yeah. album, but it's like uh, I guess for me. It didn't. It did. It didn't age well, and I, I don't know. Maybe that's like a, that'll be sacrilegious, and, people, <laughs> and I'll probably get angry emails about it. But like, in the, I feel like instrumental hip hop has come such like a crazy far away that like that album kind of seems like a little archaic. Almost. Well, I mean, it was the first, the first it one, was the first it was one. A, yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a groundbreaker. But I mean, did that open your eyes? Like, oh, maybe like fucking this could be something where it was. I, it was well, uh, like I said, I'd, I'd heard the album in complete yeah. in, in its complete form in like maybe two times yeah, you know? yeah and like and it wasn't like something like i'm gonna go back and listen to that over and over again i was like oh that's cool yeah uh i think mush was like hey would you ever consider making an instrumental album mm-hmm. and this was after labor days before bazooka 2 yeah and i was like uh i was like what sure and i did, but I had, did you have beats like oh. laying around where you were like oh this wouldn't be good for a rapper to rap i on had yeah yes i had yeah. tons of those yeah. and i was kind of sitting on it because you know i would make so many beats Sometimes you get weird, and sometimes you t- make things that. Yeah, this is exactly. before people were rapping on like sixty-two BPMs or rapping over double time shit. This is before trap, you yeah. know, because <laughs> yeah. you could have been the original trap Dude, producers. I was saying. I, I was <laughs> talking to Aesop about this the other day. Is that we? <laughs> this is going to sound like a real dickhead thing, yeah. but uh, you know, because double time hi hats are not new. No, and and when Southern rap was popping in, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like, we were doing double-time hi-hats. I mean, we were biting them. Yeah. We were biting that shit. But, like, that's what people are doing now. <laughs> These, like, double-time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, this, isn't, yeah. this is so not new. Well, I mean, we're of that age, though, where, yeah. like, we've seen everything come and go twice. And so, yeah. like, yeah, it yeah. doesn't seem new to us. And, it, and like, we're um, always astounded that the, like, 21-year-old kids that are at the party are like, oh, this is fucking that new shit. Yeah, and I'm exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you must have never heard of No Limit. Like, yeah, exactly. Or, or just yeah. anything. You ever heard yeah. of Twister record? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like... But anyway, so yeah, so like they approached me and I was like, I guess I can make an album. So I made that album, a music by Cave Light, um, completely without any idea of what an instrumental record sounded like. Just me being like, I guess this is what an instrumental record should sound like. Yeah. And by that I mean like just lots of changes. Yeah, lots like, of like layers, lots yeah. of you know like nothing, not just having a loop I, going well, over and over. Again. And I think part of instrumental hip hop is like. Uh, the song itself has it has verses without needing words do you know what i mean yeah. like like it sounds like the yeah. music is talking and moving yeah. and it has a verse and a chorus and you and fill like, in the parts with with music as opposed to words exactly exactly but the funny thing about it is that like i when i went back and because li- i don't listen to instrumental music yeah. when i went back and listened to other instrumental artists album i was like yo these are just like beats yeah like, these yeah. aren't really these aren't, these aren't songs yeah exactly and so i was like oh so i made songs and and that's kind of always what i had done like layers and you know even my beats with rappers have layers on them yeah and stuff. so yeah i just made that and i was like all right there and and much never called me back they didn't never heard the record they just totally flaked and then i got a man oh, really? yeah much much was supposed to put that record out yeah the dude robert who owns it would disappear was has been known to disappear yeah yeah i mean i haven't seen him i met him once i haven't seen him probably in like 10 years right but, right but yeah that that happened 
which who was probably the best thing ever. Who ended up putting it out? Ninja Tune. Ninja Tune. Ninja Tune. And so, you're still with Ninja Tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I, I did, got lucky. I got real did lucky. Did L ever show any interest in putting it out? I never gave it to him because yeah. he had already signed RJ. Okay. And uh, and RJ's album came out. My album was already signed and coming out on, on Ninja Tune. Yeah. And RJ's album came out maybe like, I don't know, like eight months before mine or something yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah. oh, how many instrumental artists do you need that do the kind of the same thing? And, right. And, 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 and that was the thing. That was the thing at that time. There was kind of an instrumental hip hop explosion at that yeah. time, yeah, too. Yeah. It was, you guys all kind of hit it right at the fucking optimal yeah. outlier moment where like underground hip hop was this huge thing. Yeah. Like, I, f- I think a lot of the young kids these days don't understand that, like, when you guys were on the come up and becoming a big national thing, underground rap was to hipsterism what. EDM trap is now. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like 100%. all the cool kids like, listen to underground yes, rap. You know yes. what I'm saying? That's why like, there's a, there's a lot of shamed people who are like 34 years old who like are pretending they were never like exactly going to underground rap shows. I, I always say that they're the worst. I, we were just talking about earlier. Like I always say that there are so many music journalists that are ashamed to oh. have been fucking Aesop Rock and Atmosphere and LP fans. Yeah. Like oh, and yeah. where, where but they'll still give those guys love, but they won't give anybody that oh. sounds inspired by those no guys one. love. You know no what I'm saying? Because they're like a sh- they're secretly ashamed that they love that shit. Yeah. Just like it's like uh you know indie rock writers are ashamed that they used to listen to like pop punk and shit. Oh yeah, you know what I mean yeah. like, I, like I never listened to Three Eleven. I hate Blink One Eighty Two, bro. <laughs> but they have. Like like a fucking three yeah they have like a secret 311 logo tattoo that's always been really frustrating because yeah. I, I was like yo you were that nerd back in the day too man. yeah don't front like you you've been here listening to listening to fucking freddie fox records i feel like even a lot of the uh popular edm trap dudes or like low-end three dudes or whatever like they came up listening to you guys' music sure, too sure. like they're fucking huge fans and inspired by you guys yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you guys' yeah. movement in the grand scheme of things really influenced and inspired a lot of people you yeah, know what i'm saying I, I, I know. yeah which is funny because at the time you didn't feel that yeah I think about that sometimes because, like, that was this big thing, you know, this explosion of music that I was like, you know, I wasn't in the center of it, but I was in the in the the cloud, you know, yeah. and uh, it was never this financially lucrative lucrative thing. thing, and and I did shows back then. I didn't really have many people coming out, yeah, and I, and it, it's it's only after that I step step back and be like, oh wait, like. That was an important thing, but it, at the time, if you it think felt about, like nothing. And that's the thing is like that nothing. if you guys think about it, you guys inspired uh, so many kids to start rapping and doing stuff mm-hmm. by being fucking like people could look at you and mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, wait, they're like me. They're like yeah. fans that make music and they mm-hmm. love this shit. And so many other people started rapping that that's that was like the backlash was like, oh, all these kids are trying all these fucking yeah. Aesop Rock wannabes, all these atmosphere wannabes, yeah. all these whatever wannabes. And I mean, that, that was, was a lot of bad music. That, came out. Yeah, a lot that's of terrible honest, music yeah. came out afterwards. And it's like that was when the table fell from underneath. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do demo reviews on my blog. I, they're hilarious. And, uh, by the way. and, and <laughs> I wish they weren't. <laughs> yeah. But like I just it's like, oh, dude. Like, I, I understand you want to make music, but man. Yeah, yeah. You got to come like, with your own You got to be real with yourself. Yeah. You really have to be honest with yourself if you're yeah. not fucking making good music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because your friends aren't going to tell you the but truth. But who, I mean, listen, I've been there. I've been the guy that was making the rap songs that yeah. I thought were great. And then listening to them now are just, it's it's like putting a knife in my but, jugular. <laughs> but that's the thing is that at the time you found out, or like the, when you found out that you weren't as good as your fucking cohorts, you were honest enough with yourself oh, to yeah. say like, oh yeah. wait, I'm better at something else. And I think a lot, and I always say like, as an artist, one of the strongest traits is knowing, not knowing what's dope, but knowing what's not dope. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? T- having, being a good tastemaker. Knowing when to stop. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like yeah. okay, wait, this beat sucks. I'm going to throw it away so no yeah. one ever hears yeah, it. Yeah, that's like, a huge thing. Yeah. That's, and that's actually something I feel like more than anything is that I have had a good grasp on is that like I, I can tell right away if I like something or I don't. Right. And and like, cause you know, my beats aren't these like heavy com- compositions. I'm not like like composing, you know, concertos. Yeah, yeah. 
like it's like oh that's cool mm, that's not cool yeah. and like and, and i and i will dead something quickly if i don't like it. yeah 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 how many records have you put out nowadays uh solo records music by cave light. uh music by cave light downtown science uncle tony's coloring book which was like a side project music scene and interludes after midnight so that's five but uh but you know uncle tony's coloring book is kind of a uh it, it, i count it as an album but like yeah you know, not many people know about it outside of the u.s I remember the cover of it. it. Didn't have turtles on it. Yeah, it had the cute little drawings. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Was... <laughs> nice. Tell me about your fan base nowadays. Can we talk about that? Uh, yeah, my fan base is taking quite a turn. Yeah, when I go to your shows now, it's not the normal hip hop kids that no, I used no, to no, that no. I would have seen. No, no. Well, here's the, the, like I was saying earlier about how like when we, I was in the, the the middle of this explosion happening, yeah. that like I would do shows and no one would be out there. Yeah, or I'd be the opening opening act. Like Diplo and I opened on a tour. Like we were the lowest on the low at, on this tour once, and now it's like kind of common to think of him yeah not even like yeah in that, in that respect but yeah i do shows now and you know i don't make hip-hop music solo so i don't really expect hip-hop crowds i mean sometimes they'll be there like in, in colorado you get some hip-hop people out there but there's a big burning man thing man yeah <laughs> and it's, a lot of your shows have hula hoopers uh, hula hoopers fucking fire dancers hacky sacks i don't know if they no. it'd be hard to Is do that, that in crowd. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I imagine they they do when they're not at my shows yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, and it's a world that I have no understanding of or connection to. Well, at all. that's what, that's what's I'm funny. I'm not mad at them. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's funny I mean, to me is like you're like a fucking you're like a normal bro. You I'm know a what I'm saying? Like you're bro. like a normal bro. You a gotta, New York bro, a New York bro who like does not know anything like hippie shit to me. Yeah, yeah. is just you look like someone level. who's never spent a day in the woods, and I hope never to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like that's what's so funny to me about that, uh, and particularly like your social media presence is very fucking funny. Like yeah, you, yeah. like your Twitter's all jokes. Your yeah. your your blog is hilarious. Like you're into an eclectic mix of things. So yeah. it's like so funny that the hippies have latched onto your music. Yeah, like well, they that. often like, get turned off by my my internet. I, bl- I, would, I they, believe it. They, I get I get a couple of people being like, you know, I liked your music until you posted that, and now I feel like I can't listen to you anymore. And I <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, first, first of all, people. jokes. Yeah, let's discuss like understanding how jokes work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> how they're not serious. Yeah, it's been a weird couple of years as far as like like seeing my crowd change. But on the bright side, they're young. Yeah, so the young people. They'll stick around. Like the oldest man in the world be like, these young people, they know yeah. what they're getting into. <laughs> these whippersnappers. These, these young people with their crazy cut-off tops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, their hula hoops and their glowing <laughs> fingers. They're, yeah, they're illuminated hula hoops. That they have like, there's like $100 hula hoops. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. That fucking light, they're LED. Did I know that? I have four of them. Oh, good. No, <laughs> you're wearing them now. I'm at, I'm at your show hula hooping, man. Edwish has been hula hooping this entire interview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's like a new generation of kids on fucking Molly listening to Blockhead, yeah. Blockhead yeah, yeah. records. You I know? do shows with people who are way more famous than me who I've never heard of all mm. the time. Yeah. Constantly. I'll do festivals. I'll be like, who's headlining this? And why are there 40,000 people fucking screaming their heads off? Like, yeah. I have no idea who this person is. But they're, they're, that's, I do shows with EDM people. I, do show, I did shows with dubstep people. And, uh, and I don't know how my music fits into that. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't go over well. Sometimes yeah. it goes over great. Yeah, it's it's just a weird thing. It's just I got somehow turned into this uh, this world. Yeah, and, uh, I mean it, it's great as it's supporting my life. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's just it was unexpected. You got a big European fan base. Uh, I didn't go to Europe for six years, and uh, which is funny because my label's in Europe. Like I can't get to Western Europe for shows to save my life. Like uh-huh. I, no one's offering me anything, but. I go to Eastern Europe. I've been in Eastern Europe a bunch of times the last couple of years, and uh, and it's been crazy. Yeah. Probably my favorite shows I've ever done. Like, really? Like Romania, uh, uh, Slovakia, Slovenia, Russia. I, I played 
Moscow. They're like, oh, we're going to Blockhead Show. Oh, it costs two potatoes to uh, get in. It's, it's, yeah, they, 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 <laughs> that's <laughs> fucked up, dude. That's <laughs> fucked up. Uh, they, <laughs> shout outs to Romania. Yo, yo, Romania, I think I've told you this. I don't know if I have told Maybe. you this, but Romania, pound for pound, the hottest girls I've ever oh, seen yeah. in my life. That's the other thing that I wanted to bring up. Like, you and I have ever. the exact same taste in women, yes. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say the way that you and I met is kind of a fucking funny, nerdy way. Like, it, Blockhead and I know each other from the internet. We yeah. post on a website, we post yeah. on a forum, and that's how we met. Humiliating to it, admit it. It's a, it. It is humiliating, but it's like, you know, there's a few people that, have, that are like, you know, there, there's some people that are not knowledgeable that post on there oh it's, yeah, yeah it's entertaining yeah, and, sure. and, and like a lot of people have the same taste but there's definitely a porno thread yeah. about like you that know, i started or like hot chick that, oh you started the yeah, porno i started thread? the porno thread and dude like the portos that 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 you uh, <laughs> are partaking i'm like we jerk off identically we we could fucking be in the same we're, room we're watching like the same video. hypothetical yeah. hypothetical eskimo brothers we, we are we are we are uh, hypothetical eskimo brothers of the imagination and <laughs> and the funny thing is is that another small world connection that we have is like we have some of the same fans that we thought were hot back yeah. in the day yeah. and like we connected to the, I was like oh you know her yeah you know her yeah. oh yeah, yeah. totally she's totally. a fan of mine oh she's a fan of yours like yeah. and so like that was an early connection that we had yes. as well yes well I think we both kind of realized that we're both kind of we're bros yeah yeah we're bros we're bros we're bros, we're bros well, as to each other we are bros but yeah. we I don't want to say I'm like a white hat backward bro. But yeah, I'm not like super broed out, but I definitely I'm the like I always say I'm like the like I'm not uh, Jaeger shot. Bro. I'm I'm like a very goony. I'm goony for an artist, but I'm like wimpy for a jock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a wimpy jock and a jockey, <laughs> a jockish artist. So. I, I just like to think that I am a an artist without any of the pretense of. of yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not sitting here. I don't fucking, buy into this shit. I don't fucking. I'm not going to coffee no, shops no. and snapping at fucking poetry and I shit. I think most artists. I think a lot of artists are full of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know plenty of artists who are who are like these deep mystical guys but like they're kind of assholes and they're kind of yeah. scumbags oh yeah and and it, it just I, I i if nothing else the reason i the, i am the way i am on the internet is because i want to just put forth like this is how i i am this guy exactly i'm not the guy that you think we're like, not the music yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not this like guy that sits in a room with candles and, like, I, and that's the thing is i think you could probably relate to that too is like a lot of times when i meet people who have um taken an interest to like maybe some of my more uh like emotional thoughtful stuff. or yeah. emotional tracks like they think they have this idea of me in their head and when they meet me i feel like they're often disappointed like oh you're fucking so like normal yeah like, oh, you're such a bro i've had people tell me like you're really normal yeah yeah i'm like what did you expect me? Do you they expect, expect me to be, you to be wearing, like, like a cloak or something yeah i feel like <laughs> they expect me to be walking around like fucking gandhi or something like saying nothing but sagely <laughs> things like oh. or just being like very like like emotional in a corner just like, right, like right. oh i'm so torn about right. it's like no life. i'm at a bar trying to get laid just like you yeah, are you know what exactly, I'm saying? Like, fuck exactly, off. So, exactly. Yeah. what are you working on now man so i just put out an album with this rapper billy woods uh, yeah tell me about billy woods you, you, the thing that i like about you you're still very excited about rap music like when, when you i do when the, on the rare occasion i do like rap music i get really same, excited like and we're the same like yeah. we often take on the forum like we often yeah. take interest in the same thing like yeah. you were big on early of like i was big on early yeah, of yeah, like sure. earl we both love earl yeah. uh and so like yeah billy woods is somebody that you got excited about and so yeah. you're somebody with a, enough of a name recognition to where you when you get excited about something you can reach out and they're pretty excited about that probably yeah, yeah. i mean it doesn't always work yeah. but, but uh but yeah with with woods like uh i got put on to him kind of late he'd been around forever he's a name i knew but i but i i wasn't familiar with his work yeah and he knew a lot of people i knew yeah and then i went to phil flavor and saw that post and i just started kind of checking his stuff out i was like yo this dude's kind of awesome yeah and i knew someone that knew him i ran into him on the street i was like yo you know woods right he's like yeah i was like yo I'll, i want to do an album with that guy and i think that's how it, and I, an email got exchanged and that's mm. how it happened but uh so, and Woods is a guy like that's kind of my been my thing over the last year or so is working with rappers that I like. Yeah, because you did a joint with Logic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a Logic is always an amazing rapper, yeah. and he kind of like disappeared for yeah, a while, yeah, and yeah. you guys 
brought him back. I mean, these are records I'm doing with no intention of like, I'm going to make money off these records. They're passion projects. Exactly. And that's, at this point in my career, you're not going to make money off selling music anyway. Yeah. Money I make is going to be off licensing and touring. So, so I feel I can do these albums and, uh, some fans will be really into them. Yeah. I will have a bunch of European fans who are like, I'm not into rapping. Yeah, <laughs> Which is yeah, like yeah. The, the other end of the thing. Right. But with Woods, yeah, man, I, I, I just was like, yo, I want to work with you. So I started singing beats. We started kind of talking over, uh, over emails and, um, and yeah, it just kind of came together and now we're friends. Like, I, like he's a dude, like I straight up, like he'll call me and we'll, to talk about some music shit and we'll end up just like kind of shooting the shit Bullshit. on the phone for an hour and a half. Right. And, uh, he's a, he's a great guy and, and, and really one of the, like the smartest writers I've ever worked with. I mean, yeah. and and, I've, and Aesop is easily one of the smartest writers I've ever ever worked with. Right. This dude is like he's there. Like like it's very different. It's a different kind of rapping. But yeah. he's he's a. Uh, is he's it a free record? No. Oh no 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 no. Nope. It's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. <laughs> it's on iTunes. It's on uh, yeah. It, it's a. Uh, What's it called? It's called Dower Candy. Dower Candy. D O U R Candy. Okay. Uh and yeah and I that came out like a week and a half ago and I, it's I'm really happy with it. And it's I, good. You're juicing. I'm on super it? hyped on yeah. it. I'm super good. hyped on it. And uh, the Logic record came out probably like three months ago let's capture the sun yeah and i'm working on an album with uh mark speck who's a rapper from uh philly but now lives in atlanta who's another another guy and you're working out or you're working with one of my favorite local rappers mike eagle yes, as well right? yes although although we we're supposed to be putting up a front that we hate each other so we can set up how this project's gonna work okay so no i'm oh, not working yeah, <laughs> yeah so fuck, fuck, my, fuck, fuck mike, eagle. mike eagle yeah and uh, I'm hey, not Mike, if you're him. listening, eat a dick. Yeah, Mike, we got beef. If I see you in the streets. <laughs> I was I'm wondering. I was wondering what that little Twitter flirtation was all yeah. about. Oh, if I liked you, I would yeah. tell you congratulations. <laughs> I was like, what are these guys talking about? Yeah, off off the record, I'm going to say that new EP is really awesome. But on the record, I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Mike. Mike is one of my favorites. I'm yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. Awesome. He's going to be on uh, what the fuck pod tomorrow. I'm very uh, excited. Dude, about that. I saw that and I couldn't believe I'm it. I'm very excited about that because yeah. I openly admit that this podcast is like a full fucking snake of the what the fuck yeah. pod. Like. I stole his layout and his format wow. and pretty much his conversation style. So shout yeah. out to Mark Marin. Yeah. I'm very proud that our friend Mike is going to be yeah. on that podcast it's tomorrow. It's, it's very exciting. exciting. Yeah, I'm stoked. Um, so anyhow, I think like we're running super long. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just tell the people like where to find you online. I am uh, at Blockhead NYC on all on Twitter, Instagram, Vine. You do the vines? I'm I'm learning. I'm, I'm having trouble with it. I gotta say, like the six seconds is really limiting me a little bit, and I, and I haven't really got the hang of it. But I, you know, I, ne- I never got. I feel like I don't think in video. I, think I don't in, think I do either. I think in words, or I think in pictures, but I don't think in moving pictures with words. It's, I'm definitely my vine is very like hammy. Like I, it's, I f- it's more hammy than I'd like it to be. I feel like if I had a vine, every video would just be of me taking a poop. Yeah, like, yeah. My, you know what I mean? It would be very uncreative. It, I find doing vine, you just sitting around your house, like, like, well, what could I do with that thing? Yeah, hmm, I could do that. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I haven't really hit my stride with vine. I'm, but yeah. you know, follow me. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> and, uh, and my, my, my blog is called Fat Friend P H A T Friend dot com, and very that's pretty inter- much if you like to me read me ranting about things. And, it's like, very entertaining, making fun and of funny. stuff. And, yeah. And, but also you find music there. I like that it's like old school, poorly designed blog. No oh, offense. Yeah. It's like tastefully oh, poorly designed. Dude, I mean, I, I am a man of d- d- does not care about those things. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it could be on a geosite. geosite. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it looks like shit, but reads like gold. You yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Like, it's fine. Go. As long as it's easy for the reader to, it's like, oh, well, that's right in front of my eyes. Yeah, I can work yeah, with it. Yeah. There's no ads on it. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. And I'm working on a new album. Don't have a title yet. I'm almost done with it, though. Nice. So we'll see what happens. And it's going to still be on Ninja Tune. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I, I don't have a contract with them anymore, so I don't know what that's going to mean. I, oh, I, no, better I, get on Kickstarter, bro. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I mean, that's, that's how you make albums now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody just makes Kickstarter albums uh, now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I might. 
put it out for free for all I know. I, I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. i got to finish it first. You know, maybe fucking Dr. Dre will reach out. You never know. Maybe. Dre, if it's you're listening. Time. I know you're listening, bro. I know like, Dre's, just, Dre's been waiting for that, like, atmospheric uh, instrumental Yeah, I, you might be the missing link for yeah. detox. You know what I'm saying? Like, that might be it. They could rap on my beats. Yeah, fine. there you go. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Blockhead NYC on Twitter, Instagram, and Vine, Vine, and blah, blah, blah. And fat, fat Friend. Fat Friend. PH. And um, you can find all of his records on iTunes, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, they're all there. Go back and listen to all the stuff we were talking about today if you're not familiar with the early Aesop rock stuff that he did a lot of work on they're great albums and very influential albums music by cave light still keep mm-hmm. it on my ipod still nice. a favorite of mine man so good job on that my name is lee you guys might know me as intuition and uh you can follow me on twitter at it's intuition you can follow my man ben shim behind the boards keeping in the shit buttery at i am database you can follow us as a team on twitter at that's kind of neat Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat. And you can find everything tied up into one pretty package at kind of neat.net. That shit is getting so long now. Everybody gets bored when I'm saying it and I feel bad. Yeah, they've already turned they, off the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fine. They've definitely <laughs> turned off the podcast. That's not even a fucking issue. They started with, they turned it off when I started doing, they, doing my plots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's already the mark as played and it's over. Yeah. But I, I do that. And I like to look over at the guests while I'm doing it because they all go, when when is when, when can I stand up? But anyways, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate oh, you pleasure, coming man. in. Yeah, fun. I've been waiting to do Good a time. podcast with you for a while. Hey. Yeah, man. Forever bros, bro. Forever bros. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyways, my name is Lee. That was Blocky. And this was kind of neat. Nice. <laughs>